Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. I hope you're doing well. I realise I'm a little late again, but it's because I've been preparing my boot camp, my conditional boot camp. So this um, is a separate course. It started today, February the 1st. You can join at any point because it's self-access, the materials you can work through by yourself. But the benefit of starting it early today is that we are a group and we go live and I answer your questions, you submit your examples and I help you as you go along. So that started today. If you're not sure about what's in the course or whether it's right for you, um, let me just tell you a few quick things because it might be a good chance for you to review your uh, conditionals anyway. Um, week one is zero and first conditionals and it looks at uh, things like um, if life gives you lemons, drink lemonade. So it's, it's looking at everyday sayings, uh, commands, how we can apply them in IELTS. Um, for example, when you're giving advice, uh, you're giving instructions, you're asking your friend to look after your cat as you do in the general training. You say, you know, if the cat causes you any problems, just let me know, things like that. And we're also transferring those first conditional rules to using things like unless, a very tricky conditional structure to use, and things like time expressions. So call me as soon as you get this. Um, let me know when you arrive, things like that. Every week we've got a review. So at the end of week one, there's a review and you've submitted all of your real examples. So I will go through them at the end of the week in, in a live session. Then week two, it reviews the previous week and it moves on a step. It talks about second conditional. Um, second conditional involves wish and if only. Um, also other expressions apart from if, like as long as and provided that. Um, tricky expressions with if, for example, wish. I wish you didn't and I wish you wouldn't. The differences between those two things. And then more kind of hypothetical expressions like supposing. Supposing we went to the party or it's time we left, things like that. Third conditional then, week three, um, goes into a lot more detail about um, the grammar because it's more difficult. So it's broken down into practicing the past perfect, um, practicing the third form with like would have or could have or should have, which means pronunciation, of course, in fast speech, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Um, and, but most of all, it's about meaning. When do you use it and why do you use it? Other expressions are things like I had better do something rather than I should do something. That's often confused. And then finally, week four, we move into mixed conditionals and also reviewing third conditionals, talking about regrets. But the final week is the real test. We'll go through all of 
what we've done before. And there is a test at the end and you can get a certificate of completion. So there's loads going on. It's um, There's lots of quizzes. There's lots of examples. There's things like uh, songs which contain the conditionals, poems. I did a poem yesterday on Instagram, the famous poem called If. Um, so the, the aim is to recycle the conditionals so you're hearing them in different contexts and that's making you more familiar with them and more confident. And of course, the most important thing is looking at the kind of contexts where you can use conditionals in the uh, writing, IELTS writing test and in the speaking test. So um, I would recommend it if you'd like a quick kind of boot camp review of grammar. Um, that's it, I think. Yeah, let me know if you've got any questions. Uh, what we're going to do today is uh, listening. And it's one of the mock tests in the Members Academy. And by the way, the, the boot camp is free if you're in the Members Academy. So everything is included there. Um, this listening is a section three. It's called Woolly Mammoths on St. Paul's Island. And the usual section three, it's an academic topic. You've got three people this time. There's Rosie and Martin talking about their presentation. And then the tutor kind of asks questions. And the kind of questions the tutor asks are the leading questions, the questions which lead in to the answer. And just check out my blog about signals and signposts um, for section three, because we're going to notice a lot of them in this listening. Uh, there are two sets of questions. The first one is multiple choice and the second one is the awful uh, matching. Um, so let's start. This topic is, as I said, about woolly mammoths, a kind of um, ancient, you know, dinosaur? No, it's not a dinosaur. It was kind of an ancient elephant, isn't it? Um, so they're, they're kind of doing some research into um, fossils they found on St. Paul's Island. The first question is, how will Rosie and Martin introduce their presentation? And the three choices are, even if you just look at the first word, a drawing, a timeline, or a video clip. Now, uh, Hong Yan in the Members Academy asked me for some tips about listening when you're doing the computer test. And normally I would say underline things. And of course you can highlight things. You just don't have much time. So these little shortcuts can help you. All you need here is you don't actually need the rest of the sentence. It says, A, a drawing of woolly mammoths in their natural habit. Well, you just need to hear drawing. B, a timeline showing when woolly mammoths lived. You just need timeline. And the last one, a video clip about woolly mammoths. You just need to hear a video clip. So I'm going to read it for you. Remember, there's a little background to let you uh, settle in. The tutor says, so Rosie and Martin. So the tutor's telling you now there's a, a man and a woman, Rosie and Martin. 
Let's look at what you've got for your presentation on woolly mammoths. Rosie says, okay, we've got a short outline here. And the tutor says, so it's about a research project in North America. Martin says, yes, but we thought we needed something general about woolly mammoths in our introduction to establish that they were related to our modern elephant. And they lived thousands of years ago in the last ice age. Rosie, now, she makes a suggestion. Maybe we could show a video clip of a cartoon about mammoths. But that would be a bit childish. Or we could have a diagram. It could be a timeline to show when they lived with illustrations. Martin says, or we could just show a drawing of them walking in the ice. No, let's go with your last suggestion. So all three things are mentioned. The video clip is first. Then um, she says it could be a timeline. And then he says it could be a drawing. Which one is correct? Well, they said that the video would be too childish. Um, and Martin changes his mind about the drawing. So the answer is a timeline. It's answer B. The next question is, what was surprising? Now, remember, we've, we've talked about these signals before. Um, when they say what was surprising, you're looking for some expression from them saying like, oh, that was amazing. And this will help you to avoid the tricks, the distractors. So the question is, what was surprising about the mammoth tooth found by Russell Graham? That name there will help you know when the answer is coming. A, it was still in the mammoth's jawbone. B, it was from an unknown species. Or C, it was not as old as mammoth remains from elsewhere. So you could try and sum this up for yourself if you're listening, Hongyan. Um, A, it was still in the jawbone. That's about kind of how it was found, the location. B, it was from an unknown species. That, that's about, yeah. The, the species. And C is about the age. It was not as old as other remains. So Rosie introduces Russell Graham and she says the tooth was found by a man called Russell Graham. He picked it up from under a rock in a cave. He knew it was special. For a start, it was in really good condition, as if it had been just extracted from the animal's jawbone. So here she tells us that it was taken out, extracted of the jawbone. So it was not still in the jawbone. So you can dismiss A. The tutor says, uh, oh, then she says, anyway, they found it was 6,500 years old. And the tutor asks the question. Here is where the question leads to the answer. The tutor says, so, 
why was that significant? Rosie says, well, the mammoth bones previously found on the North American mainland were much less recent than that. So this was really amazing. What was amazing? Well, the other remains were less recent. It's about time. So the answer is it was not as old as other remains. The answer is C, and they don't mention any unknown species. Question 23. The students will use an animated diagram to demonstrate how the mammoths A became isolated on the island, B spread from the island to other areas, or C coexisted with other animals on the island. So either A, they were separated, they became isolated, or B, they moved, they spread, or C is all about them living with other animals. Um, Martin introduces the diagram idea. He says, we're making an animated diagram to show the geography of the area in prehistoric times. Originally, St. Paul's Island wasn't an island. It was connected to the mainland. And mammoths and other animals, like bears, were able to roam around the whole area. Then the climate warmed up and the sea level began to rise and the island got cut off from the mainland. So those mammoths on the island couldn't escape. They had to stay on the island. You probably guessed it. The clue was in the island got cut off or isolated. Well, the, the mammoths became isolated on the island. It's answer A. They do talk about other animals like the bears, um, but it doesn't say that they lived with bears on the island. So question 24, the last multiple choice. According to Martin, what is unusual about the date of the mammoth's extinction on the island? Again, what is unusual? So your ears have to be primed, ready to listen for some mention about something being unusual. And the three choices are how exact it is. Exact, exactly the right date, precise. B, how early it is, so long time ago. Or C, how it was established. How did they realise that how the mammoth became extinct? Um, the tutor says, again, the tutor introduces the answer. Um, so why do you think they died out on the mainland? Rosie says, no one is sure. So it's not C. We don't know how they died out. Martin says, anyway, next, we'll explain how Graham and his team identified the date when the mammoth became extinct on the island. 
they concluded that the extinction happened 5,600 years ago, which is a very precise time for a prehistoric extinction. So that's your answer. It was a very precise time. Um, um, and it, so that gives you the answer how exact it is. This is what is unusual about it. But there's not much more evidence, to be honest. Um, the only thing they say there is, which is a very precise time for a prehistoric extinction. You're kind of reading between the lines. He's basically saying usually um, it's not that precise. So those are the multiple choice questions. Let's move on now and look at the um, matching questions. So the question to match here is what action will the students take for each of the following sections of their presentation? So there are six sections. First, the introduction, then talking about the discovery of the tooth, then the initial questions asked by the researchers, then further research carried out on the island, then findings and possible explanations, and 30, last question, is the relevance to the present day. Now, I, I talk about the importance of academic skills quite a lot and, you know, the structure of readings often follows this kind of research and results type structure. And it's here again. If you're writing, um, if you're writing up research, you introduce, you, you talk about the discovery and the questions that you've got about it. Um, you do some further research, then you show your results here called the findings. You try to explain your results and you say why this research was important. So again, that background knowledge will help you help guide you through this um, listening, this part of the listening. So remember, we have to match which actions they decide to do for each part. And you've got um, eight choices. A, make it more interactive, make the presentation more interactive. B, reduce the visual input. C, add personal opinions. D, contact one of the researchers. E, make detailed notes. F, find information online. G, check timing and H organize the content more clearly. Now there's you can't guess anything here. It could be any one of these. So it's just a question of listening <laughs> carefully. Um, so we're listening for the introduction and the tutor as always tells us the answer is coming. He says so why don't you quickly go through the main sections of your presentation and discuss what action is needed for each part? Martin says, OK, for the introduction, we're using a visual. So once we've prepared that, we're done. 
he introduces this idea of the visual. And Rosie says, no, I'm not sure. I think we need to write down all the ideas we want to include here, not just rely on memory. So Martin just wants to have images. And she says, no, you know, we've got to write things down, all of the things we need to include. So she wants to include more details. And so that gives us the answer is make detailed notes. The visual then is a trick because it's exactly the same word in the options. You can cross that off. Martin agrees, says you're right. Then Rosie says the discovery of the mammoth tooth. So we know we're on 26. Next question is probably the most dramatic part, but we don't have that much information only we, what we got from the online article. So she introduces this idea that they need more information. They got some from the online article. So you can cross that off. She doesn't need to get more online information. I thought maybe we could get in touch with the researcher who led the team and ask him to tell us a bit more. Get in touch with the researcher, synonym, contact one of the researchers. So the answer is D. Martin says, great idea. What about the section with the initial questions asked by researchers? This is exactly what question 27 says. It says, initial questions asked by the researchers. Rosie says we could ask the audience to suggest some questions about it and then see how many of them we can answer. Um, I don't think it would take too long. And the tutor says, yes, that would add a bit of variety. So basically, Rosie is suggesting that the audience asks questions to make it more interesting. And that gives us the easy answer, A, to make it more interactive. Um, question 28, Martin introduces it again. It's about further research carried out on the island. Martin says, then the section on further research carried out on the island, exactly the same words, analysing the mud in the lake. I wonder if we've actually got too much information here. Should we cut some? And Rosie says, I don't think so. But it's all a bit muddled at present. Muddled means confusing, mixed up. And Martin says, yes, maybe it would be better if it followed a chronological pattern. So, you know, Chronological is one of my favourite words. I talk about it for the reading texts, two types of texts, either research text or chronolog chronological, which goes in order of time. Now, how useful is that word here? It gives you the answer. And the answer is um, uh, <laughs> H, organise the content more clearly. Because if you go chronologically, it's much clearer, and that is the answer. Rosie then says, next question, 
The findings and possible explanations section is just about ready. That's next question 29. But we need to practice it so we're sure it won't overrun. Now, that word overrun is a key word. I think that would be so easy to miss. Um, it's talking about timing, isn't it? She doesn't want to go over there allocated time and that's it that gives you the answer and it's g check timing make sure we won't overrun and finally the last uh, statement is the relevance to the present day and it's the tutor who says in the last section relevance to the present day You've got some good ideas, but this is where you need to move away from the ideas of others and give your own viewpoint. So he says you should give your own viewpoint is a perfect synonym is add personal opinions. Give your own viewpoint, add personal opinions. And that gives you the answer C. So that was not too bad, I don't think. There's not much too, there's not too much difficult vocabulary. Um, mostly synonyms giving you the answers like precise and exact, um, surprising, amazing, became isolated, cut off. Um, what else was there? Do, 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 do. Hang on. <laughs> um, Oh, yes, the, the personal opinions was give your own viewpoint and so on. Contact, get in touch with. Um, yes. OK, so that is it. That is section three from the listening. Um, if you have any special requests, please do let me know because that makes me do it quicker. If I know somebody's waiting for an answer, then um, I will make it a priority. Um, let me know if you've got any questions about the conditional boot camp too. And just email me or find me on social media um, on everything. Instagram, Facebook, it's all IELTS ETC. Thanks very much for listening. Speak to you soon, I hope. Bye for now. Bye-bye.